What is good, everybody? Happy Sunday evening to you as we are recording this. But happy whatever day you are listening to this as well, because you might not be catching it tonight. You might be catching another day, but we still want you to have a happy day where and when you are consuming this episode of the Coast to Coast podcast on InsideCarolina.com. I am just your host, Joey Powell, but the reason you're here are the two guys that are with me. As always, bring the thunder from down under. Uh, that makes Sean sound like he's from Australia and he's not, but uh, Sean Moran all the way on the left coast. Sean, how you feeling, man? Pretty good. Yes. And the, uh, <clears throat> the, um, the hot sauce to his Escalade, Sherelle McMillan. Real, how you living, dude? I'm good, man. No complaints. How are you? I'm all right. So I want to give a shout out to Johnny T-shirt for sponsoring this show. Uh, guys, it's been two weeks since we've talked. And after the way June went, it feels really weird. But I figured what we do tonight is, you know, we do uh, who's having the top 10 hottest summers in prep basketball because no we're not going to do that because that's no prep radio and that's garbage and nobody wants to hear that so if you ever hear anybody doing, hot boy summer when you hear people doing god almighty uh when you hear people doing that kind of stuff on terrestrial radio you can rest assured that they have absolutely mailed in their show and done no show prep and that's not the way we like to roll here on the coast to coast so we're going to actually get into some minutiae some nitty-gritty some detail uh, some actual granular type stuff, which ultimately that's what you guys are here to find out about. So the first thing we want to talk about is I want to refresh the inside the commitments that were posted about Dawson Garcia and Seth Trimble. Uh, they made it to the Inside Carolina Premium Message Boards. Just some really, really good write-ups about the personalities behind both of those players, kind of some of the decision-making processes that went into that some of the external factors that led to both of those players committing to Carolina. And, you know, as you guys know, Sherelle and Sean always bring it on here. And that's just another example of, of the good content that's been put out on the message board. So make sure you go back and check those out. Some really, really good nuggets. Sherelle teased it last time, but it's worth every second of your time. So I want to make sure I rehash that here. Now let's talk about where you guys have been. Uh, because for those of you listening and watching, uh, which, by the way, take a second, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We appreciate it. I haven't seen an app, by the way, I haven't seen an iTunes or an Apple Music review of this podcast in forever. And so I'm getting a little disappointed. So I will say, whomever can go give us a review between now and the next episode of the Coast to Coast, I will give you a shout out on the next episode. But go leave us some reviews, please. I haven't seen any in a while. And that always helps bump us to the top of the uh, Apple Music algorithm. So when people are searching for UNC-based sports stuff, it helps us out, which helps I uh, see make avenue ad revenue and ad money, which means it allows us to bring you guys more content. Back to what I was saying. Uh, talking with Sherelle and Sean last week, all I know that Sean did was go to Dallas and eat barbecue and then go to Nashville and eat barbecue. But come to find out, our man wasn't just trying to dig himself out of a hole from the last episode of his barbecue know-nothingness. He actually was in Dallas watching some of UNC's commitments shoot a little round ball. So, Sean, I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell us what you saw from from uh, Shaver and Trout last week in the Big D. Sure. Well, first off, um, after you know, after you guys were talking barbecue uh, over over the last pod, and and excluding me, I figured I, I had to go strong in Dallas, and and I, I went strong, pretty strong both both nights. Um, in there was in some Frisco, humble, but there were some humble brag pictures that you sent to us. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty good. Um, definitely added a few, few pounds, but, 
uh, in between the, the evening uh, sessions of barbecue uh, was at the Under Armour event. So it was my first uh, live basketball experience since February of 2020. Uh, so it was, it was fun to be uh, just be back and be, being able to watch, you know, different games at the, at the same time. Um, and, and with that, being able to watch uh, UNC commit Will Shaver. Um, you know, it was a little weird being at a major uh, live period event and not seeing uh, UNC staff, uh, which I think is a first for me besides, you know, some of the smaller ones I used to go to in, in Chicago or Milwaukee. But obviously with how things were set up, they were um, all in Augusta and watching uh, the commits as well as the, the, the prospects there. But Will Shaver, um, you know, he was he was playing in, you know, what we kind of calling the B division almost. Uh, so his team was, was not playing, you know, the top 20 or so Under Armour teams that week. Uh, so that led to, to one trip, um, you know, far off the reservation to watch his game, but it was good to kind of see him in action. This was right when it broke that he will be um, coming to UNC in January and redshirting a year. Um, so in terms of, you know, once again, trying to watch him against some subpar competition uh you know he can he can definitely shoot um he you know some things that stood out one his hands uh i thought he had a pretty good set of hands when his guards would penetrate he was always very active ready to catch ready to shoot um whether it was on the perimeter or in the post he he was ready um and i think once again he's not the quickest quickest or most athletic guy so that will definitely help in terms of you know how quick he can get it from from the catch to the release. Um, and then, you know, some things for improvement, uh, you know, one just kind of, we've talked about rebounding. Uh, he's got the size to do it. Uh, he just needs to kind of get that aggressive mentality. And I think uh, banging around with Armando and some of the players next year will get it. Uh, and then once again, just kind of, you know, getting, continuing to get more athletic. You know, one of the games I watched, he was going against almost a Mark Vital type player. Um, so he had some size, but, the guy was, you know, kind of football strong and he was able to push him around a little bit down below. Um, and for the most part of that game, Shaver was kind of staying, staying outside the paint, but then, you know, come that same evening, he was going against a guy he was stronger than, and he wasn't afraid to get in the post kind of use that size advantage, but he was also locked in. And I think that game he had around 27, 27 points on 20 shots probably could have had a lot more. So he didn't really force, force the issue but once again he was ready to shoot and where he was kind of making his bread and butter was you know from 15 feet he was very comfortable from that range so once again a guy that is not going to come in his first year and start and be one and done I think we all know that but I think he's a guy that you know can slowly and steadily get better and you know come his sophomore junior senior year he's a guy that I think can can contribute. And once again, as a guy that has, you know, six ten size and that, that definitely doesn't, doesn't grow on trees. So overall is good kind of just being able to watch him, watch him in person. Sean, let me ask you, what do you feel like he's working on right now? Because you've seen him from well prior to the summer, you've seen video of him and then you've actually seen him a couple of times since the summer circuit has started both in person and on film. What do you feel like he's working on? Cause usually you can tell, you know, just based on what a guy does, his first couple of touches or his first couple of possessions, uh, where, what he's trying to actually improve right then. So what have you been able to see that he, it's obvious that he's focusing on? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I think where, where he's most comfortable is, is shooting. Um, so that's where he would kind of gravitate towards early, whether it was spotting up from three um, or, or catching from, you know, the mid range. Uh, but I think one of the things I saw towards the end was just being, being in the post and kind of having that, you know, for him trying to find that go-to move, is it, you know, a, a simple right hook off the left shoulder or just kind of a, a counter move? Cause once again, Sure, he'll go against some, you know, six nine, six ten athletic shot blockers, but for the most part, he's going to have a size advantage. Um, you know, once he even even you know two years down the road in college, and I think for him, one thing he mentioned was still, you know, he's focused on conditioning and being in the weight room every morning. You know, getting to UNC and really focusing on his body and making sure he is using that red shirt to his advantage. Um, and I think with that, you'll be able to see some improved low post play and rebounding. So. I think, you know, that's what he's focused on coming out of the live period and, you know, trying to get ready for, for being in Chapel Hill. And sure. the last thing I'll mention about Will in terms of another area that I saw was his passing ability. Um, I mean, he is, uh, you know, not to say he's Kevin Love with the overhand passes, but he's, <laughs> he, can, uh, he can skip them across the court and he can hit the, the shooter, you know, right in their numbers. Um, and he can do it pretty effortlessly. So that was kind of another thing that, that stood out was just, his passing ability, um, either from the post or from the perimeter. So just so that Sherelle doesn't have to sit here and stare at us for the next five minutes while you go through your <laughs> Ike Trout eval, uh, Sherelle, do you feel like, um, do you feel like there are specific things that, that Shaver, you know, in addition to what Sean's seen, do you feel like there are specific things that uh, the staff has told Shaver he needs to be working on, or do you feel like this summer is just more for him to grow into his own? Yeah, I think he's just a player who needs play more and, and no no that sounds simplistic but yeah, so what's the football saying the kid just needs reps he right? needs reps yeah he, he, you start talking about flashing in rooms and all the football <laughs> talk uh he's flashed uh, a few times <laughs> with what he can do because like sean said he's 610 he's a massive kid um he has some skill and i think what north carolina is betting on and one of the reasons that he's going to enroll early is that they can start to kind of you know, chisel, you know, get him chiseled, start to build his body, start to build his conditioning. Because right now, I, I still would consider him a developmental player. And that is in no way a, a diss to a him slight, at all. No. Right, it's not a slight. It's just that he still is a couple of years away from, you know, from being, I think, a, a good player, a solid player. There are guys in the class who are more ready to play now that they could have gotten. But I think what they're doing is betting on that upside. They're betting on the size and then um, it all coming together. Because if it does come together, as Sean said, you have a 6'10 guy who can pass, who can shoot threes, who can post. So if it all, if he gets there in the next couple of years, then you've, you've got a, a good player on your hands. I think that's kind of where UNC is at. And that's one of the reasons they kind of came to him about, you know, coming to UNC in January. Let me ask you this, and I'm not trying to do a straight-up player comp, but as far as his developmental trajectory, is Deion Thompson a fair comparison? Um, I think Deion was better at the same point in high school. Um, okay. But as far as, you know, dropping a good amount of weight um, and, you know, learning how to be conditioned and, and play a full game and kind of developing, yeah, I, I think so. I just think Deion was a little bit further along the same process. But from a skill set, is, okay. From his, yeah, that, that, is, that is something that – um, you know, Shaver's going to have to do. He's going to have to get into UNC and build his body and build his conditioning. And I think that everything else will come. So it, it's it, that's why to me, once once that option became available, he said it was kind of a no brainer to take. And I think he made a good decision yeah. um, because just the vast difference in training at home and, and training with your your guy at home, no matter how good he is, is very different 
uh, from getting to you and see where you have a nutritionist and you have, yeah. you know, a strength and conditioning coach and assistant strength and conditioning coaches and conditioning and managers who will just, you know, stay with you and, and shoot a thousand shots a day or whatever. Yeah. Just his developmental curve is going to be helped so much just by those extra six months. And we'll talk a little bit more about how that <laughs> developed uh, after the break. Okay, Sean, the other player that you saw that is of interest to UNC fans and the UNC staff alike was Ike Trout. And tell us a little bit about what you saw from him at the Under Armour event. Yeah, I was able to watch uh, four four of his games, uh, and you know, really the first three, he, he definitely didn't didn't set the world on on fire. Uh, the first game, he, he played pretty well, um, and you know, I, I came in the gym and he had three threes in the, the second quarter, and you know, then he he was sitting out a little bit. So I, I thought his team would have tried to ride the height, the hot hand a little bit more, uh, but then uh, he kind of disappeared that second half, um, and then. Um, you know, the, the next game they were playing the Illinois Wolves, who is probably one of the better coached AU teams that you kind of see year in and year out. And uh, they kind of shut him down for the most part. And then all of a sudden it was the, the last last game on Sunday. And he, you know, he erupted for for 25 points. Um, but his game, once again, is, is kind of, you know, his dad said like a, a big wing or stretch four. Um, mm -hmm. So, he, you know, he's six, nine, he's long and he will you know, banging the post at times, you know, he does have a go-to move of, of a little right-hand hook. Um, but once again, he likes to be out on the perimeter and he likes to, uh, you know, do stuff off the dribble as well. So, you know, he would attack with his, you know, off the, you know, top of the key, um, attack left off the dribble, you know, a few dribbles to get to the basket. He would have a few in and out moves. Uh, his go-to move was kind of this sidestep three-pointer um, that he did showcase and hit several times. So, he has a pretty good, uh, pretty good skill set. Um, but you know, one of the things I noticed are a few times he would start out on the opposing, opposing big, and if they're trying to bang in the post, he would quickly uh, switch off and, <laughs> eject, and try eject. to guard. <laughs> yeah, you know, he'd he'd do that for a few possessions, and then he'd 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 try to find somebody on the perimeter to to go go chase around. Um, but then on the flip side. You know, he certainly enjoyed being guarding, guarded by those, you know, the slower, bigger guys, because right. then he had a little more freedom on the on the perimeter. So, um, you know, it was good to watch him. Uh, once again, I think a highly skilled guy. I think where he's ranked in the fifties makes sense, but I think he's a guy that isn't necessarily a, by any means a one and done player. Uh, so he's a guy that I think can grow into his college game, can do it at a quicker level than a, a shaver where, you know, maybe he's coming off the bench as a freshman and then starting as a sophomore. But, um, you know, once for him, uh, you know, you had Michigan state at every single one of his games with Tom Izzo mm -hmm. basically spending two of his three days at Under Armour rather than the Nike event watching, watching him. So, you know, Michigan state really made him a priority in that week two. And I assume they probably did in the, in the week three, and then you had Texas give him an offer. You might see a Gonzaga offer. So I think that one, that, that recruitment will go into the fall where he said, you know, he'd like to be done by the time his high school basketball season starts. Mm -hmm. um, so once again, is I think he, I guess it was last time we talked about kind of that stretch four being the, you know, kind of an important piece, which I still think it is. Uh, but does UNC think it is, I guess might be another, another question. Um, and, you know, one thing for him is uh, Will Shaver is pretty good friends with him. And Will Shaver was at a lot of his games. And, you know, when, when we talked to Shaver, he said, you know, he's, he's the guy we're, we're trying to get 
we're trying to get next. So um, once again, a, a skilled big, which I think we've, we've talked about a lot, but as everybody else, it was good to see in person um, and, and see kind of how he moved and, and how he looked offensively and defensively. All right. Um, appreciate the update there. And it does sound like he does have a unique skill set. And, you know, not everybody likes to bang with the bigs down low. And I, I get that. I think there's a lot less opportunity for that in the college game than there was even five years ago. All right, Sherelle, I need you to give us an update from your viewing of the Peach Jam last week from your 8K television watching experience <laughs> with all the technology in the, uh, the Dolby Surround, uh, Crystal TX Theater, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what did you see last week in watching the Peace Jam from your house? Uh, it was weird, to be honest. Uh, we're just so used to being there. And now this is two years in a row without, you know, having been at Peace Jam. And, you know, I've been pretty much every one since 2001. So just very strange. Um, but, you know, shouts to Nike for giving us the access via Twitch to watch all the games. I think the first thing that stuck out to me is that a lot of these guys have not slept at home since like July 6th, July 5th. So they've been on the road for almost a month. So very, yeah, it's starting to show. So very professional type feeling uh, for these guys and that it was hotel basketball, hotel basketball, hotel basketball for, you know, about two weeks. Um, so that's, that was different, obviously. Um, from a Carolina perspective, um, I think Steph Trimble, the first week people started to, I don't, I don't know if worry is the right word, but, you know, he wasn't putting up huge numbers and his team, you know, to be frank, isn't the most talented team in EYBL. And uh, I think after talking to some people around him, um, his parents and, you know, some other folks, I think it was a concerted effort by them to keep his body up so that if they did or when they did make the actual peach jam he'd be ready to go and i think you saw him flip a switch between the first week and the second week um i don't know how anyone could really have any complaints uh you know outside of maybe one or two small things about how he played that second week because he was pretty dynamic the entire time um multiple games with 20 plus points you know shooting 50 and 60 percent from the field as a guard you know knocking down his free throws in in the 80 i think it was in the 80s uh, as far as percentage, um, he had one game where I think he had like 15 of 17 free throws, getting his teammates involved. I think one thing people always wondered about him relative to other point guards in the class or lead guards in the class is, well, is he a floor general? Does he have the feel of a point guard? And, you know, he took a team that, like we said, wasn't very talented and kind of elevated the team to, you know, within one point of getting to the, the uh, final four of the Peace Jam which I think is a really, or excuse me, final eight of the Peach Jam, which is a really impressive feat, you know, all things considered. So I think he had a great week. I think if you look at the evaluators and kind of the things they said, he's probably going to have another rankings bump. Um, of course, some people had him in the 80s. So, of course, they're going to bump him up. But right, right. You had him in the 80s. Like, you had him too low to start with. Um, but even even other, uh, other outlets who had him higher, I think, are going to move him higher. So I think he had, all things considered, he had a, a great Peach Jam. Um, and then Jalen Washington, it was good to see him play more minutes. Uh, that was a big takeaway for me because when we watched him in Birmingham, he didn't play a ton the first week of Peace Jam, or excuse me, of EYBL. He was playing 9, 10, 11 minutes a game. And then this, uh, this week, you started to see his minutes get into the 20s. One, that tells us that he's healthy and that he trusts his knee. Um, and then two, the coaching staff feels like he's ready to go and they trust him trusting his knee. Um, I think, you know, you, you kind of know what you're going to get from him. He's great on pick and pop. Um, you know, he can finish around the rim. 
um, really long arms. But I also think the things that he needs to work on were pretty glaring too, which are, you know, his strength, his rebounding, and some of that lateral movement. Now, you, maybe you can attribute some of that to still just getting back from the injury and it's taking a long time. Mm-hmm. But some of it's just stuff he's going to have to work on. Again, you know, the, the, the post that North Carolina has committed or are um, recruiting heavily – if they can get in the in the weight room with Jonas, like to see them on the other side, I think it's going to be pretty incredible. Trout, yeah. if you add 20 pounds of muscle on that kid, he's going to be ridiculous. Same thing with Washington, same thing with Shaver getting conditioning. So to me, um, that was a major takeaway of just July, you know, overall was that um, all three of the, I guess you would say the top guys that UNC was recruiting, including, including Derek Lively, um, really need to, to get in the weight room. And when they're able to do that, you can see them take that next step. Yeah. And to my much lesser trained eye, the, the clips I did see of Trimble both weekends, if UNC fans aren't giddy watching him create for himself and get shots in traffic, I, I don't I don't think they have the ability to be giddy because it's it's fun to watch right now, especially when he's at full speed and is still able to to get that shot up amongst the trees. It's uh it's it's fun to watch. Sean, was there anything that you saw at the second week of the Peach Jam that you wanted to add in? Maybe I know Sherell touched a little bit on uh, on Washington Trimble's game. Is there anything else that you saw that really jumped out at you about uh, UNC targets that were in action? Well, I mean, just to stay on the on the commits, I didn't really get to watch. Uh, was able to watch a little bit at the beginning of the first week, but then being in Dallas, uh, you know, Nike was kind of off my off my radar. But just going back and you know looking at the stats, and Sherelle mentioned kind of the the flip being switched, and um, you know Trimble goes from averaging just under ten points over seven games, and then all of a sudden he's averaging you know twenty one points that second week, um, and once again really came on strong with. Uh, you know, four rebounds, four assists, et cetera. I think, uh, you know, the only, the only kind of thing to negative thing was really the outside shooting. Um, I think he was one for, you know, one for 12, one for 13 from, from three. Uh, but once again, I, I think that's a, a little bit, you know, when you, when you're only taking one or maybe two a game, uh, it, it, it's easy to kind of, have a bad, you know, a bad percentage, especially if it's just, you miss that first one and you're not really, you know, taking four or five to get in that rhythm. So once again, not a, a huge concern, but it is, you know, obviously that that's the improvement point. And, you know, we talked about high school, he shot 35%. Um, and with a guy who can get to the rim, like he can, if he can continue to, you know, make, make opponents not go under the pick and roll when they do run that, uh, you know, that'll make a big difference when he gets into college. And then, you know, same thing with, with Washington. I think he was one for 12 from three um, and shooting supposed to be a part of his game. Uh, once again, I think it's more the mid range where he's comfortable at, but he can shoot. Um, but I think even at the very beginning of the first game against Mocan, you saw teams playing him for that pick and pop and making life a little more difficult for him. So once again, for him, he just needs to kind of get, get that, um, you know, get the strength up so he can get in the post and not get pushed around. Um, but then just in, in general, I mean, you know, Cam Whitmore played, played well uh, early on. And, you know, I think for UNC, just being able to see some of the, you know, the other guys that they have offers, some of the uh, 16s. And normally you come out of each live period and there's offers being made. Um, and I, I think it's been pretty quiet uh, the last few weeks. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, after this final recruiting period, are they focused on the 2023 class or are there any more 22s um, that are, that are getting offers? So 
once again, it was a lot of basketball and it was, it was fun to be able to watch, especially on ESPN um, and definitely a little more entertaining than the uh, Team USA Olympic team right now. All right, we're not going to go to the Team USA stuff. All right, uh, Shrill, anything else you want to add about the last two weekends of, of eval, eval periods? I mean, uh, Sean touched on uh, Cam Whitmore a little bit. You want to mention him and Team Mellow at all? I would just say um, it, when it comes to targets, I think what UNC did was pay a lot of attention to Whitmore. I think he has definitely elevated him into that space with Lively and with Trout as kind of you know, the number one remaining target in 2022. I mean, they were, they were at his games deep. I think there was one game where all four coaches were there. It seemed like anytime he played, there were at least two coaches there um, over the last couple of weeks. So uh, I think that was, um, you know, eye-opening for me. And then I'd add too that the coaches have one more chance to watch players. And that is next week in Orlando at the MBPA. It's called a top 100 camp, but this year is top 60. Um, and they're going to have basically a 24-hour window between, I think, Wednesday night and Thursday or Thursday night and Friday, one of the two, basically a 24-hour window to come watch guys. Now, how good the basketball will be, um, MVPA is always a long event, and the guys always talk about how tired they are during, and they're just coming off of, you know, if you're Under Armour three straight weekends, if you're Nike two straight weeks um, of playing basketball. So I'm curious to see how tired um, they will be and if it's any good basketball at all. Um, Seb Trimble is scheduled to play. Um, he has confirmed that. Isaac Trout confirmed that he was going to play. Uh, 2023 offered forward Gigi Jackson um, is confirmed is going to play. And then Jalen Washington was invited, but I don't know if he's going to play or not. So that's just something to watch is they'll have another chance to watch a few guys, um, you know, later this week. All right. And that's something else that we'll talk about uh, right over this break. And speaking of, Guys, you know, today is my uh, my better half's birthday and happy birthday, roll out the red carpet for. Yeah. Happy birthday <laughs> to her. Um, rolled out the red carpet for uh, took her to a nice brunch. Um, I took the kids to the pool so she could have some time to herself, which is one of her favorite things ever. You know what? I didn't get her. And she's threatening to leave me. Carolina Polo. I didn't get her a Johnny T-shirt gift. Oh, card. man. And I think it's probably going to put my. Uh, my years of wedded bliss in peril because I was not a good spouse and did not deliver the goods. Y'all, if I would have just gone to johnnytshirt.com, I could have ordered her the aforementioned UNC polo that Cheryl was talking about. I could have gotten her a nice set of, you know, Carolina stemware. I could have gotten her some uh, really, really amazing, authentic UNC Nike or uh, other licensed gear from other top brands, but I didn't. And so I guess as soon as we finish this pod tonight, I'm going to have to go to johnnytshirt.com and remedy that issue. But lucky for you guys who are out there in the listening and viewing audience, let my tragedy, let my mistake, let my failure at life be your victory and your opportunity to lift up your better half, your partner, your girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse, whatever you want to refer to them as you've got a chance to be the hero of your relationship. Take care of your people. Go to Johnny t-shirt and get them some gear. Send them to Johnny t-shirt.com with your credit card or get them a gift card, whatever you need to do. Don't be like me. Take care of your folks. Johnny t-shirt will take care of you the way they take care of inside Carolina premium subscribers. Use your extra 10%. You can't lose. Don't be like me. Gonna hit a quick break, let the national guys come here and drop some ads in. 
We'll be right back to talk a little bit more about where Hubert Davis and the staff are going to be and where they've been. Uh, talk a little bit about Will Shaver enrolling early and then wrap it up with some overall looks at guys that are still in the market. We'll be right back on Coast to Coast Podcast. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average between 9 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. All right, y'all. Appreciate you sticking around. Much obliged. I'm indebted to you for, for staying. Uh, a couple other things we want to hit before we get out of here today on the Coast to Coast podcast. Uh, Sherelle, where should UNC fans be tracking Hubert Davis and his staff as of this past weekend and the aforementioned small window they have coming up uh, before the evaluation period is over with? Yeah, I think um, just they showed uh, pretty much how much they were, um, how many targets they had in the Nike circuit, I guess, because they spent a ton of time there. Uh, they split up a little bit this past weekend with a, with two assistants going up to Indianapolis and spending some time at Under Armour and then a small event where a lot of Adidas teams played in. But um, to me, it just shows again just how vast and, and wide the talent gap is between Nike UIBL and then Adidas and Under Armour because there's just so many more um, great players, so much more depth in that circuit. And that that causes UNC a little bit of issues because they recruit from it so much that when they there are top targets like Isaac Trout in different circuits, it kind of makes it hard for them to go see that top target or see that commit because they had to take away some of their valuable time from Nike. Um, so that was just something we were looking at this past weekend. We don't know if Hubert Davis actually saw Isaac Trout this weekend. I, I think he probably did, but we haven't been able to confirm it. We know he was in Indianapolis um, on Saturday and then on Sunday, but I haven't been able to confirm if he saw Trout or not. So it's something to keep your eye on. Um, and then, like I said, they've got the the little window there for um, – uh, to watch guys at MBPA, which actually is going to be in Orlando this year at the same place where they had the NBA bubble last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, it's some, some, some time off. Um, it, it's been a grind for these guys really since the Wisconsin game. It's been nonstop for those who are still around. And this is going to be their first chance really to, to have some time away, to have some vacation time. Uh, so they'll do that. And then, uh, you know, August 1st hits on Sunday and everyone who took an official visit in June can take another official Reset. visit. So you have to, you have to talk about Derek Lively. You have to talk about Isaac Trout, uh, Cam Whitmore. Um, you know, who knows what might happen with, with uh, Jaden Bradley and Deontay green. You have to talk about uh, Kyle Filipowski. You have to talk about uh, who's uh, you know, Carolina has an offer out to Tyler nickel um, and who hasn't taken a, or anyone Carolina has an offer out to, you have to right. really think about um, so that's what we're watching. I think you'll see some quick visits um, here in August from a couple of high priority targets. Um, and then, you know, they'll, they'll move on into the fall. And then, believe it or not, you know, Carolina's conditioning will start in uh, late August, early September. And, you know, practice can start. I think the rule is Camp 50, Jonas. Yeah, 50 days before the first game is when practice can start. So usually practice will start that last week in September. So we're not far from Hubert Davis's first, you know, kind of camp 
um, as UNC's head coach. So that hurts my a, head to think about. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that has to happen between now and then. And from a recruiting perspective, um, after the MBPA camp, they can't be out on the road again looking at guys until the fall evaluation period, which is typically the second Wednesday in September. So once the second Wednesday in September hits, that's when they can start doing in-home visits and, um, you know, going out and seeing guys at their high school and shoot arounds and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Sean, with the NBPA being such a, uh, I guess, a, a different format or a, a weird format, for any of our listeners or viewers that want to check that out um, or watch footage from it, isn't it usually on NBA TV? I'm asking Trail, Sean. No, nah, they they typically have that one closed. Like they'll, there'll be some clips from the the mixtape guys. That Maybe come that's out. what it is. Yeah, but typically it's it's closed to fans, um, pretty much as parents and me parents and media. Um, I don't think they let NBA scouts in there anymore. Uh, I think it's just those two entities who are allowed. So, Sean, I'm going to ask you from an evaluation standpoint, what are what are these players looking to prove when they go to a, a setup like the NBPA because it is so different. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it brings everybody from from all the shoe circuits together. Uh, so, and once again, you're you're now outside of your the AAU comfort. Um, so it's a lot more kind of you have to be that alpha dog in these events. And I, I remember going back quite some time. Um, you know, Sherelle will probably laugh at this. Of you know, we were, we were watching Brandon Ingram, uh, MBPA, uh, going into his uh, was it his senior year where he he just he didn't do anything. Um, yeah, he looked terrible. <laughs> he looked terrible. Uh, this was late June. And then all of a sudden at the Adidas event in Chicago, he just like flipped the switch. And then he started becoming the Brandon Ingram. We all know. Um, so that, that being said is, you know, some guys play great in it and, and they end up being, you know, kind of cementing themselves at the top. Um, but other top guys can struggle. Um, but once again, they, they can easily bounce back. Um, so well, it's, it's kind of a great competition aspect, especially now that it's, it's down to 60 versus the 100 plus that it, that it used to be. But it, it, it coming when it is at the end of July, I think will make, you know, I think everybody will be able to get up for it and, and it'll be competitive. But once again, like, a, you know, I know we mentioned Jalen Washington as a, a maybe and, and probably not, but he literally he just played 14 games over over a two week period. Um, so I think the legs will definitely be heavy with the travel, but it'll really be the last time all these top guys are getting together, you know, stands maybe a USA basketball in October, if they, if they are able to do that again. Um, so it's really kind of the last time to show what they're made of before, you know, going into their, their high school seasons where everybody's spread out over the country. Yeah. I mean, I just pulled a hamstring thinking about the amount of games these guys have played, especially going into this weekend. So I can't imagine what a, a young, uh, nimble, agile kid who, you know, is in really good shape, is going through if they're struggling i can't imagine how you know what it'd be like for for yours truly all right sherelle we teased it earlier um i'm gonna ask both of you for your opinion on uh not only just how you feel like this will help the player but just what you thought when you heard about it sherelle i want you to tease for everybody how the will shaver early enrollment thing teed up because at least by my recollection this is not something that happens at north carolina or has ever happened um and i think it shows not only the the penchant for doing things his way or his willingness to try to get outside the box and, and carve his own path from Hubert Davis and his staff, but help us understand a little bit about how this whole thing developed, because it seems like it came out of nowhere. 
And then all of a sudden, you know, you guys are reporting on it, um, you know, on the InsideCarolina.com premium message boards and on the site itself. So set that up for us. Let us know how it went. And then, Sean, I'm going to come to you after Shrill gets done to, to see what you think uh, this might actually do as far as, you know, Shaver's, evalu- Shaver's evaluation, his physical and skill improvement that could happen from this. Uh, so when we first uh, started finding out who Will Shaver was, this is back in late March, I guess, mm-hmm. mid-April, sometime around there. Which, again, was um, quick, right? If you it remember, was, it was popped on the scene, got an offer, right. and then he's coming the first week of June. So. Right, right, right. Um, one Somebody close to him kind of was like, you know, yeah, he's he's a bright kid and, you know, he's got credits. And if need be, he can, you know, probably reclass and, you know, probably enroll in January, you know, if he wants to. And we ran it by some people and it didn't seem like it was something that was likely to happen. So we just kind of discarded it. And so, um, you know, he plays in Atlanta uh, at the Under Armour event. And the way he explained it is he got a call from the UNC coaches and was basically like, hey, you know, we think, you know, you can make this happen. Um, if you want to do it, then let us know. And we, you know, we'd be happy to have you. And he said he made his decision kind of that moment was like, yeah, of course I'm going to do it because who would want to turn that down? Um, Cause from what I understand, he was, he was switching schools anyway. Um, you know, Sean talked to him. He was going to go to a prep school in South Carolina. Right. Um, and you know, no disrespect to the prep school in South Carolina. So, you know, what's coming next, but Carolina, obviously is mad disrespect, yeah, mad disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really simple. It's easier to, to just work out at home. And, you know, he's a, um, as soon as he signs, uh, Jonas will be able to send him stuff, you know, send him nutrition plans and weight plans, and then he'll be able to get on campus. And um, I think it is a turn for UNC. Uh, I think James Michael McAdoo was probably the closest ever to enrolling early at Carolina. Um, and that, they teased it and teased it, but then it kind of just went away and nobody yeah, discussed it ever again. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> and so typically, you know, for us, a tale has been when the guy says he wants to reclass, well, it's like, okay, you know, it's not going to happen at Carolina. Right. I mean, you know, Roy Williams told, uh, you know, Walker Kessler and his family, he was like, I don't think he's ready to reclass and I'll be happy to have you in the class of 2020, but we don't want you in 2019, essentially. Um, so, you know, that's the kind of how Carolina has operated. And so this it is definitely a new day. Um, and, um, you know, we talked about those two scholarships endlessly about. Thank you. That was my next, use, my next point is <laughs> about well, why not using them and going into the portal. And if you look at how they finished it out. They got their backup five of the future yes. and they got a big man to play next year um, with those two scholarships that they had left over. So I, I thought that was interesting. All of the um, pearl clutching that has gone on <laughs> on the message boards and we love y'all, but let the pearl clutching and the, the aghast faces and the WTF posts. Right. Let's just give the people that know exactly what they're doing a chance to show that they know what they're doing. Because like Sherelle said, they played this masterfully. Yeah, it, it just took a little time. They played the long game on that. Um, as far as I'll let Sean go more into, you know, what it means for him. But obviously just banging in practice every day against mm-hmm. that front line um, and getting that experience is going to help because UNC is going to need you know, people to come in and play right away in the front court after next season because of what they're expected to lose. But yeah. I'll, I'll turn it over to Sean because he, he probably has more insight. He talked to him longer than I did. So, Sean, one of the things I, I want you to I want you to consider, but it jumped out at me. So I'd love to hear your your two cents on it. But the fact is, when he comes in, UNC will be in the middle of a season. So not only will he be going up against college players, ACC caliber players, he's going to immediately be thrown into you know, practice situations. And I'm sure they're not going to first day he's on campus, throw him out there and have him, you know, have him play five up against Armando. I, I get that. <laughs> but what I do think you're getting is, is he's immediately going to be going against guys that are mid season conditioned. 
and guys that have, you know, talking about the, the flipping, the, the switch being flipped earlier, um, you're going to have guys that are in that competitive mode. And just from, again, from my lesser trained eye, this seems like such a huge no brainer for both parties, both Shaver and his family and UNC. So again, putting on your, your analysis hat, uh, you know, skill evaluation, development, all that stuff. What do you see as the biggest upside? Then if you want to kind of prioritize where this might help Shaver lift his game, uh, but, but feel free. It's all yours. Sure. Um, you know, when, when I heard it, I just see, you know, it had just been his Saturday night game where he had 27 points. They lost, but it was one of the better games I actually saw all tournament, even though it wasn't in that top tier. Um, but when I heard it, I said, oh, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, one, you know, there's no expectations for him, right, of, yeah. of going in. And, and now he's able to go in. It, maybe they just have him in the weight room um, and he's just focused on that. Or, you know, so if he's not – if it takes him a while to adjust, it doesn't really matter because that's what the whole, you know, three months is going to be of just him, you know, him getting acclimated and getting adjusted. Uh, we all talked about how for, you know, where he's ranked and, and given the projections of, you know, it taking him longer than, than others to really get up to speed. And now he can get that kind of leg up. And now when everybody else is coming in, he'll be comfortable. And once again, does that mean he's going to be, playing more than Jalen Washington, probably not, but I think it will help him kind of increase, um, you know, maybe where everybody was projecting him to be at. Um, and I think, you know, especially from a conditioning standpoint, it helps because now you're in a, a weight, you know, college weight program um, versus you're still playing two to three games, you're traveling, you're lifting, you know, in South Carolina. And then you're, you know, he's bigger than, he was going to be bigger than anybody, most anybody he, he faced in, in high school or prep school. And now you're going against, um, you know, veteran big men that can bang you around and, and just kind of educate you a little bit on the, on the college game. So I think it's a great, great opportunity. Uh, you know, I'm, I have been surprised that teams haven't tried to do it a little more, just especially with the, you know, proclivity for one and done, you know, Kentucky had Hamadou Diallo uh, a few years back where he just came in and, and, you know, sat for that semester. And then he was a little more ready to go when he, when he came in. Um, so I've been surprised teams haven't tried to reach down in the, into the high school ranks and kind of accelerate, you know, since the NBA has been accelerating them of kind of trying to accelerate that high school time, time frame as well. But Overall, I think it's great. Um, it, I think there's only only upside to it, um, just kind of getting him in uh, so much earlier than what he what he could have been, and maybe this speeds speeds up, and you know, maybe maybe kind of the light goes on a little earlier than it would have. And I want to I want to make sure that fans recognize this too. Like that's a big step and a big commitment for a kid and his family to make. You know, I think it shows his competitive nature and his willingness to to take what North Carolina is offering. So it, at least from my perspective, I feel like the kids should get some, some, uh, some praise and a little bit of a hat tip for, for being willing to take on that, that increased level of competition. And uh, like you said, accelerated rigor. I think there's something to that. Sherelle, what's up? So I was, I was going to say something similar to what you did in that I still am not a proponent in general of uh, players reclassing and, and missing out on their senior year of high school. I think, a couple of factors with uh, Shaver that make it 
acceptable or okay. I think you go on a case by case basis. With Shaver, one, it's not like he was going back to his high school, so he's not right. going to miss out on prom and you know all the stuff that you do as a senior in high school being the parties at the moon campus. tower none of that stuff, yeah, yeah 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 the the switch switch day during homecoming week you know the powder puff <laughs> game all that good stuff like that that's he wasn't going to have that anyway so he's not missing that so that's why i it, it's kind of okay for one and then two um there's a maturity level you have to have as a as a young yeah. person to be able to do that. And I think Sean can tell you from talking to him and me from talking to his dad and talking to some people around him and talking to him a few times, he definitely has the maturity I think you would want from someone who is going to college, you know, six months, seven months, eight months early. Um, I think some people it would be, the temptation would be too great to go to college and just kind of goof off. But I think that there's one thing I've noticed about Shaver is that he is um, very confident. And I think he's very focused on, on becoming a better basketball player. Um, now, whether or not he does become a better basketball player, we'll, we'll see. Um, but he does have the right mindset to work hard, um, to try to improve himself. And he's very focused on, on basketball. Yes, he'll do all the things he needs to do to, to be a student athlete. But, you know, he knows kind of where his, his bread is buttered, for lack of a better phrase, and that is the basketball program. He's going to do whatever it takes to, to become better. So in that aspect, um, I, I think it's okay because of his maturity level and because of what his plans were already for his senior year. But again, personally, in general, I, I don't like the reclass as a whole. Well, and again, I think it's it, we've been really good about pointing out, you know, to each kid his own. But uh, again, I think it's it's very refreshing to see a kid take this, tackle this head on and, and jump at this opportunity. I, I'm interested to see how it pans out for everybody. I, at least from what I know about Jonas Serration, I can see him getting a little uh, salivated uh, at the uh, at the incisors, ready to to have a kid like this in early just for Jonas just to work with him. But we'll see how it pans out. All right, before we get out of here, uh, Sherelle, I want to let you hit us with one more just kind of 30,000-foot overview of what's happening with the prospects that are still on UNC's board, knowing that the, the time for evaluation is, is quickly coming to an end. Uh, so usually August is the time for uh, list cutting and, and list trimming, and you go from 17 to 9, and then you go from 9 to 4. I don't know if we'll see that this year. Um, everything is just weird. You know, because of the way June happened, there's not as many uncommitted guys, I would say, as there normally is in August. So I, I don't know. And I'm interested to see, I don't know if August will be a lot of guys committing or August will be a lot of guys taking official visits and pushing their commitments back into the fall. Uh, so, so we'll see. I, I, I don't know about that. And the other thing I would say is that they're the two 2023 targets that they have got a ton of attention. It could be because they play uh, EYBL, not targets, excuse me, offered players. It could be because they're on the same team on uh, CB360 and under, but they paid a lot of attention to Rob Dillingham and Gigi Jackson over the weekend. And uh, from by all accounts, Gigi Jackson had a pretty phenomenal week and it's kind of taken the next steps to go from, you know, one of those top 40, 35 players into that top 15, top 20 range. So that's something to watch too. So it's interesting to hear where the coaches are, as the kids say, showing the love. All right, Sean, two pennies before we get out of here. What you got? Uh, one, it was it was great to be, even though it was just a sh uh, you know a weekend. It was great to be watching uh, basketball again, um, meeting barbecue, you know, especially yeah that <laughs> that as well. So hopefully you'll lay off any of the barbecue jokes uh, with me <laughs> going forward. Um, and then you know, two, we talked about uh, in terms of the you know usually you see offers coming out you know after each live. July period, but 
once again, it kind of shows the focus that the staff had on identifying players to come to campus in June, uh, being able to get three of those players to commit, and then being able to spend, uh, you know, the live periods focusing on the guys that they had offered. So I think that kind of shows that they were able to, you know, really focus and identify um, certain players and certain types. And, you know, then, then they're able to, you know, watch versus, you know, kind of scrambling a little bit in July in terms of, oh, you know, let's throw out another five to 10 offers and kind of you know, see what we, you know, see how wide we can cast the net. So I think it kind of showed the focus they had back in, you know, really the, the springtime period. All right. Well, Sean, as always, throwing his two cents in right before we get out of here. Boys, I appreciate it. Uh, it's been a while since we've done one of these that wasn't of some urgency. Uh, so it was nice to kind of hear what you guys have been seeing on the recruiting trail and what's been happening out in the uh, evaluation windows for these different tournaments and events that have been going on. will be neat to see what happens at the uh, NBPA in Orlando and then also where UNC staff uh, puts their efforts, as Sherelle was, was hinting at earlier. But you know me. I'm thankful for you all. I appreciate you guys being here. Thanks for those who have listened and watched and downloaded and spent time with us here on the Coast to Coast tonight. Also want to thank Johnny T-Shirt. Uh, hopefully they can salvage my marriage. I also want to thank John Siegley for producing the show. But for Sean Moran, for Sherelle McMillan, I'm Joey Powell, just your host. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. We will catch you next time, and we'll talk to you then. <laughs>